0: Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our Soquel location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services.
1: Good morning, everybody. Hey, Welcome to Hope Church. We're back inside our unofficial start, Pastor Danny talked about. Next week was our our official we're back inside, but hey, you get the sneak preview this week, so congratulations. You made a good choice to be here today. Hey, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and I get the great privilege today to start off a brand new sermon series that we're calling Scarred, What to Do When Life Hurts. How many of you have ever been in a place in your life where you have experienced hurt? I know I have every human being that's in this building in fact has experienced it. And I was thinking about hurt the other day and I was reminded of a story when I was in high school. So uh, my middle son graduates from Aptos High School this year and uh, we're so stoked he gets an in-person graduation. And you only, get, you only get two people from each family though. Uh, but if we move another level down, they're gonna open up another three. So we'll get five total. And um, we've got, besides our, our middle son is graduating, we have four in the house. So, so we'll have four tickets. And if we get that fifth ticket, the rest of the family's gonna have to like fight it out. It's, good. it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome to watch, you know, grandma and grandpa, you know, slug it out and who's gonna, who's gonna be able to go. But I was thinking back when our son Micah, when I was Micah's age, I was a senior in high school, and um, I played soccer in high school. And, and my senior year of high school, we won a state championship. And uh, the season was just starting, and I was the captain of the team, and I was so stoked for the very first day. And I think I was just like super excited and like focused on something else that um, I was preparing breakfast uh, and my mom, my single parent mom who raised my brother and I had already gone to work in the city of Chicago. Like she had already gone into the city and it would be sort of like she worked over the hill, right? Like, like once you're gone and you're there, like you're gone, right, unless like there's an emergency, which this happened to be one eventually, but I was making breakfast and I was just focused on other things and, um, and I found out that day what the bone inside of my thumb looks like yeah yeah so that's happy happy sunday to you good start to your day so so i was i was making some food in the kitchen and um and uh, apparently the knife was sharp and i wasn't paying attention and if if we were up close here i could show you so i have a scar that goes from from, the, from the, the knuckle, the, the knuckle on my thumb here, and it wraps around my thumb up like this. And, um, and, and if you can't tell, like that area around a knuckle, by the way, just you know, words of wisdom to you here. My, my youngest son is here, is here listening, so uh, hopefully he won't repeat my, my mistake. That, that area of skin does not stay together well once it's cut open, right? And so someone's like, "Please stop." Okay, so fortunately, across the street from my house, my coach, my soccer coach, and one of the teachers at my school lived. And I called him, and he and he took me to the hospital, and I got my very first stitches. And I was super bummed I had to miss our first game of the season. But I have a line that goes across my thumb, and like little little lines that go across it that you could tell like where the stitches were. Has anyone in here who's had stitches? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most of you have. So you've experienced it, right? You know what that's like. You know, we all have scars. We, we all have things that point to deeper hurts or past experiences where we've been hurt. You know, it's not surprising to any of us, even if you've never been around the church and heard like the things of God or read the Bible, it's no surprise to us that Jesus himself taught us that in this life, you will have trouble. Now the scars like the one I just described, those are painful, but those we can sort of deal with, it's the the scars that we can't see that are the most painful, aren't they? Like in my life, I would much rather take scars like this, than the scars that I have in here. And that's, maybe doesn't isn't as powerful as I wanted it to be in that moment because some of you know I just had a heart attack so I'm not talking about like what in here like physically I'm talking about inside emotionally spiritually those scars hurt the most don't they and in fact if I could pass around a microphone to each person here today you could tell a scar story and it would be deeply moving like for every single person in here we would be in tears as we listened to your scar story. And you're like, Tim, come on, man, this is hope, church. <laughs> like, I came here today for a little bit of hope, and you're, you're telling me that Jesus promised us we'd have trouble and that we have scars, and you're bringing up, because as I describe it, if you're like me, and you are as a human being, you're remembering the things that have caused those scars. Now, here's the beautiful thing about today. As we passed around that microphone and you told your scar stories, if God were here with us right now and he were to grab that microphone from you, here's what he would say. He would say, let me tell you the whole story. Let me tell you the whole story. And here's the truth that we're going to be exploring today as we kick off this series called Scarred. This is the big idea truth for those of you who take notes or like to like remember these things. Uh, this isn't like a three-point alliterated outline for you today. This is one point. Can you remember one point? One point here today. With God, there is always more to the story. Always. So if if you had the mic and you were telling your scar story and you exhausted every little facet of that story, and you know you have a lot of facets to your scar stories, don't you? Because you've told those stories in your mind and in your heart for years. God would grab that microphone and he would say, now let me tell you the rest of the story. Let me tell you what I was doing. Let me tell you where that thing fits in the story of your life. With God, there is always more to the story. And this shouldn't be surprising to us, right? Open up the Bible and you'll find all kinds of stories that point this out. Um, I think about stories like Elijah. So Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. Old Testament meaning before the birth of Jesus, prophet of God. And one day, Elijah's servant comes out of the house. And he comes out of the house and he bends, and, he bend, and I'm, I'm just picturing this. I don't know why I'm picturing it like this, because uh, this doesn't really happen anymore. But he's bending down to get the, the paper, right? Israel's, you know, Elijah's servant. And he's in his bathrobe and he's making sure it's pulled all the way down. And he's, put, and he's picking it up. And as he stands up, he has this oh, blank moment. He looks around. And there's an enemy army surrounding Elijah's house. He goes back inside and he's like, Elijah, what are we going to do? And Elijah prays to God and says, God, open up my servant's eyes so that he can see what I see. And at that moment, the servant's eyes are opened and he looks around and the angel armies of God are surrounding the human army that surrounds his house. With God, there's always more to the story. Joshua, another legend in the Old Testament, he leads the Jewish people into the promised land, and as he leads them in the very first area city that they're supposed to conquer and, and inhabit, God tells them, I want you to march around the city seven times, and at, The end of seven times, I want you to blow the trumpets, and here's what I'm going to do. The walls are going to fall, and you're just going to walk right into the city. They did it. And at that moment, the trumpets blew. You know they all had to be wondering, what's going to happen here? And the walls fell, and they walked right into the city. With God, there's always more to the story. Jesus himself, think about it, on the cross unjustly accused, violently beaten, brutally hung on a cross. And in his final breaths, one of the last things he said, he cried out to God the Father and he said, Father, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the full story yet. These people who are literally killing me, right now. Forgive them because I see the whole story and they don't. So here's what God's going to do today. We're going to open up to the book of Job. Job chapter 1, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. The verses will also be up on the screen. You can um, uh, open up your phone. If you don't have the Bible app, just go to bible.com. You can follow along on your phone as well. And over the course of the next month, we're going to look at the story of Job. We're going to walk through this story. Job is one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. In fact, Job, if you don't know this, some of you like a little bit of Bible, you know, history, trivia kind of thrown in there, you enjoy that kind of stuff. If you were to order the Bible chronologically in the time that it was written, many say that Job would be the very first book of the Bible that was written. This will be our first written account of God's relationship with humanity. It's the story of Job. And so we're going to jump into the story of Job, and we're going to ask God to help us understand this truth. Remember that truth? With God, there is always more to the story. All right, are you in Job chapter 1? Here we go. Let me get to Job chapter 1, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll jump in. All right, Job chapter 1, here we go. Verse 1, in the land of Uz, I want to live in a place called Uz. I, that, I love that. In the land of Uz, there lived a name, some of you, what, what do you think you're a, a Bible scholar? What, is it pronounced Uz? Because I don't think it's Uz. All right, okay, I got to keep, I, I, can't, I can't go down those roads, y'all. Here we go. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. Job was was a guy who sort of had it all together, spiritually speaking. He was blameless and upright. Now, let's just be clear about this. Because over the course of the next month, we're going to explore the story, the life of Job. Job wasn't perfect. Blameless doesn't mean perfect. Blameless doesn't mean sinless. So sinless would be his relationship, right, his vertical relationship with God. Of course, he wasn't sinless. There was only one who was sinless, and that was Jesus. Blameless meant that horizontally, Job was all good. Nobody had anything against Job. No other human being could could say anything against Job because he was blameless, He had seven sons and three daughters. Now, this was hugely important in these days. The the favor of God, the blessing of God rested on you if you had sons because sons carried on the family name. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys and had a large number of servants. Now, in these days, this would have been Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Job was a dude who had it all. Look at this. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. He had family. He had wealth. He had standing before God. And in fact, just to prove the point, look at this. Verse 4, his sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays. So like, not only was his life super great, but they had awesome birthdays. Come on now. You know the favor of God right there. They would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his kids. How many of you all pray for your kids? Right? Job was devoted he went before God early in the morning on behalf of his children, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. This wasn't a one-off thing. This was Job's life. He loved God. He loved his family. He, he advocated on behalf of his family to God. Job, Job was like he was hitting it out of the ballpark. He had everything. Life was good. But you know the point of our message today. With God, there's always more to the story. And so as we get into the next section of Job chapter 1, God begins to pull back the curtain a little bit to show us more of the story. Now watch this. He's not just showing us more of Job's story. He's showing us more of our story. Okay, you ready? Here we go. God's just pulled back the curtain. Everything looks amazing. Do you all know some people whose lives look amazing? Do you know people who are like on Instagram and they're like, you're like, I don't even want to see their Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not even looking at, like. Here we go. Verse 6. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. So the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. So God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Look, this is how you know it's going well for you. God himself is bragging on you like in the spiritual realm. Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Hmm, just keeps on coming for Job, right, in a good way. Satan came back, though, and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hand so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Yeah, God, of course, of course, Job is the man. You put him in a bubble. He's your bubble man. Like nothing is happening to Job. But now, stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan standing in the presence of God, challenging God. Oh, yeah? Yeah, give him a little bit of hardship, and then let's see what your boy Job does. This is what Satan says. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So, as God begins to pull back the curtain, here's one of the realities that we need to know as as we look at this truth that with God there's always more to the story. God is reminding us in this section of Job that there is a spiritual battle taking place all around us. In fact, He's reminding us that you and I have an enemy of our souls, we have a sworn enemy. And, and we're getting basically, uh, uh, we're, we're, getting, we're getting hit twice from the enemy in this way. In the earliest days in the Bible, and what's recorded in the Bible, the enemy went to God's perfect creation, Adam and Eve, and tempted them to rebel against God and choose their own way. In doing that, humanity chose their own way apart from God And every human being born after that was destined to be born into a fallen, broken world with a fallen, broken spirit. In in places like church, you might hear this word called sin. It's just simply rebellion against God. And we're all born with a desire for it. We don't have to teach our children to fight with each other. right? We don't have to teach our little one to grab something and say, mine, and be selfish, right? We're born with this. So from the very moment we're born, we have a fallen sin nature that is, it, that is battling against us. That's because of Satan. That's because of the enemy, Satan. In addition to that, we have Satan. The Bible describes him as someone who is, who is roaming about the earth back and forth like a lion, Seeking who he may devour. You and I have a sworn enemy of our souls. That's the reality. Now, here's here's the beauty, though, of what Jesus did. The beauty of what Jesus did is that when he died and went in that grave, and three days later was resurrected, he yanked all of the teeth right out of that lion. Pulled every single piece of his claw out of his, out of him. He has literally no authority and no power over us because of the blood of Jesus. We may be impacted by this broken world, but it doesn't have power over us. It doesn't control us. It doesn't overwhelm us because of the resurrection of Jesus. But we have this. We have this battle that's raging, right? Now, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that that we see as God pulls back the curtain. God is not the author of your hurts, of your scars. And some of you here today, this will be the deepest thing that you'll wrestle with walking out of these doors. God is not the author of your hurt and your scars, Every bit of hurt that you've ever experienced is a result of the fallen world that we live in. God promises to walk with us and to love us and to heal us and to be with us. He promises that in, that, in these hurtful moments, but we live in a fallen, broken world, and this is the reality of the world that we live in. Remember, with God, there is always more to the story. So that's not the end of the story, even though that sounds kind of like, oh, wow, okay, that's a bit challenging there, Tim. Like, like we're, we're, we're in this place where we have a battle that's raging all around us. Well, let's keep going because Job has more to say. Look at verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So in, 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 a, in a financial portfolio of that time, uh, a, a herd of animals, of one type of animal, was like a significant part of your portfolio. And so a servant comes and says, so uh, Job, the the oxen and the, the donkeys, they're gone. That part of your portfolio, gone. The stock market just crashed in that area for you. And all the servants who were taking care of them, they're gone too. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. The sheep, gone. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties, swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. Camels, gone. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Man. All that Job has left... Is his immediate household and the four servants who just came to tell him that everything he has is gone, including his kids. All of it. In a span of less than five minutes. Now, I don't want to trivialize or minimize what you're going through. It's tough. Job... Maybe could make a case though for having maybe the most amount of, of trauma in one moment. Like, like, he lost all of his family except for his wife and his immediate household. He lost his fortune. He lost everything that, that was classified, made him be classified as the greatest man in the East. You know, for you and I, we all have hurts. We all have things that maybe not to that level. We all have things, though, that in the moment when they happen, we are stunned. We're devastated. And we cry out in the literal sense of this phrase, Oh, my God, what is happening? I I can't bear under this. I can't deal with this. I, 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 I don't know how I could physically go on from this. This is the point in his life where Job is at. Now watch what he does. Watch this. Verse 20. At this, Job got up. He, took his ro- he tore his robe. He shaved his head, and he fell to the ground in worship. Now that doesn't seem to make sense, does it? He fell to the ground in worship. Like you and I might fall to the ground and be like, God, what are you doing I'm so messed up. Like, God, I don't know what's happening. Like, God, why, God? We, like, we, we would fall to the ground with lots of responses, not necessarily worship. Here's what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. What? unbelievable. Chapter 2 goes on to tell us the story of how Satan goes back into the presence of God and says, yeah, God, of course he's praising you. Uh, nothing happened to him personally. And God said, okay, you can't kill him, but I, but I will allow you to do something to him. And look at Job's response in chapter 2, verse nine, verses 9 and 10. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? curse God and die, I'm not going to comment on his wife, because my wife is amazing, she would never say that, he replied, you are talking like a foolish woman, now if this is ever the time where you get to look at your wife and be like, you're a fool, now you know he's tempting the fate of God, right? Listen, foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Now watch this. In this moment, Job chose God. He chose faith. Now, it's not like a superhuman thing that he did. We, we, you know, I talk about what he, what he, he prays God in this moment. But, I mean, think about it. In a moment of crisis, don't you cry out to something, someone, maybe God? Like I know five, five months ago, when, when I was on my bedroom floor having a massive heart attack, the words that that that, that I, I was crying out. I mean, literally, I'm on my knees. And I'm crying out, oh, God, help me now. In this, I, I don't know what's happening, but I, I'm dying right now, God. Please. How many of y'all have ever been in a crisis and have made a deal with God? God, please. Please. Oh, my God, like, okay, I, I, have, I have immense clarity right now. If you get me through this, I will stop doing this. I will start doing that. I will, you know, I will, da-da-da-da. We make, right? Like, crying out to God in this moment isn't necessarily, like, the superhuman, amazing, like, like perfect thing that Job did. But we're going to get into the rest of the story in the weeks to come. Today, though, Job chose God. It was the very first thing that he did. Remember that with God, there is more to the story. There's always more to the story. So watch this. In my Bible, Job chapter 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2, is a single page. Like chapter 1 on one side, chapter 2. Single page. For the next 30 pages in my Bible... Job questions. He wrestles it out. He, he, he dives down into the pit of despair. He, 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 he works out his anger, right? Like all the things. Like some of you are like, Tim, listen, don't be so simplistic to me today that you're just like, oh, just choose God. Just choose God. Okay, let's pray. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Just choose God. Remember, whatever happens today, this week, just choose God. Amen. We'll sing our song and we'll head out. Listen, I know how simplistic it sounds, but for the next 30 pages of my Bible, thank God that I'm teaching the first week and whoever's teaching me after uh, gets to explore all of that. For the next 30 pages of my Bible, Job wrestles it out. The last five chapters of Job, he hears from God, and he responds. But the very first step was that Job turned himself toward God. Listen, what is ahead is too hard for us to bear. We don't have all the answers for that. I'm not trying to give you all the answers for everything that is rolling around in your life that hurts. For some of us, we need to seek forgiveness. We need to offer forgiveness. For some of us, we need to speak to a professional who can help us unpack some stuff. For some of us, there might be some medication that might help you. There, might be, there are lots of different things that will come in their journey ahead. But for Job, the first step he takes is to turn toward God in faith. And I'm here this morning to encourage you today to turn toward God in faith, no matter what it is that you're facing. It's not a magic cure-all. It's not a silver bullet. It's not a formula. I'm not pretending that it is, but here's what I know. If you turn toward God, eventually you'll make it. If you turn away from God and go the other direction, you're not going to make it. And so today is not about outlining all the steps that it takes to wholeness in in Christ. I'm not pretending to do that. I'm I'm, I'm simply standing in this moment in time and encouraging you through the story of Job to turn toward God. So our big idea point with God, there is always more to the story. How about this? With God, there is always more to your story. It's not over. It's not over. God would stand in this gap right here, right now through his word and say, it's not over. There is more to the story. If he could grab the microphone and tell the story that you're in the middle of right now, he would say, I have more to it. Now here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. You and I, we get so consumed with what's right in front of us that we're like, this is the end. I can't do this. It's the end. And we close in on this thing that that we're experiencing. And God would say, I see the beginning from the end. I see it all right now in this moment. And if you'll turn toward me, if you'll trust me in this moment, I got this. I got it. But you have to turn toward me. And as simplistic as that sounds, and I know it does, listen, following after God is not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do today. Turn toward God. Turn toward him. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't even have to believe in God. If you're here today and somebody invited you and you're like, Tim, I'm not even a Jesus follower, man. I don't even believe in God, but I'm looking for something. I need something. You can pray a prayer like this. God, I don't even know if you're there. And to be honest, I don't really think you are. But if you are, If I'm wrong, I think there'd be more hope going your direction than going my direction. And so I'm just, I don't know, I'm going to go this way. For some of you, you've been following Jesus for years, and you just need to be reminded that in this moment, you have to turn your heart toward God in what you're experiencing. Maybe you've been consumed by it all right in front of you, and God is reminding you today, come on, lift your eyes up and turn toward me.
0: We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers donations to support this ministry if you'd like to give to the mission of hope church you can select the give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060 thanks again for tuning in